Well, I do hope you've all had a good Christmas holiday and lots of fun and family. When I saw the title of the series, which in its smallest form is Filled to Fill, and I thought, man, we're all filled, past filling um, at this time of year. But actually, the wonderful thing about spiritual filling up is it doesn't make you fat, it just enables us to be more effective. And so that's what we wanted today. We're not talking about how much you ate for Christmas or are still eating of leftovers. It's got nothing to do with today's topic. We are talking about three subjects, and that's faith, hope, and love in these three next three Sundays. And the idea is that we need to be filled with these Christ-like attributes, empowered by His Holy Spirit, in order to be effective in the year that lies ahead. So we've been bombarded by the consumer culture uh, to eat more, buy more, give more, all those things. It's time now to refocus on being filled with the things of God. And that's what we plan to do today. One of the focuses of, of common ground for a number of years now has, has been to fill the city with the message, life, and fame of Jesus Christ. That's kind of been a, a slogan or a... a what's the word, a job description almost, for, for us, that, that we could be doing these things and making an impact in Cape Town. And I was just thinking about how do we fill a city? And I was just thinking what Paul said. He said, my life is poured out. And now I've come to the end of it. And basically his, his take was, everything that God has put into me, I've poured it out. I've given it to everyone that God asked me to give it to. I've been to every place that God intended me to be. I'm now in prison. I'm nearing the end of my life. I have been poured out. And that may sound like a pretty miserable epitaph, but if you think about it, that everything God put into him, he said, I've faithfully given it out and impacted not just my city, but the whole of the Mediterranean world. So uh, just think this thing about being filled to fill others is actually quite a big topic. This is, this is not a small thing that... Uh, God is asking of us. He's asking us to, to be like Paul or like our hero today, and that was Abraham. And what a way to start the new year, but preaching on the Old Testament, number one hero of the faith, the father of faith, the one who got it all rolling um, on earth to bring the message of hope in Jesus Christ that nobody knew of yet. Um, Abraham, more than anyone else in the Old Testament, was a man of faith who enacted so many of the things that pointed the way to Jesus. So uh, we're looking at, at Hebrews chapter 11, Genesis chapter 12 and 15. Not all of them, just little bits, okay? Um, although I must say, there is a lot. And I've been enjoying getting it into me. I hope I, we won't still be here at 12 o'clock while I get it out of me to you. Okay, so um, th that's where we're going. We're going to be looking at these um, Hebrews <clears throat> and... Um, and Genesis, and we'll be looking at the life of Abraham. As this week has evolved, I was getting, as I said, more and more full of Abraham and his faith and looking at his circumstances. And I want you to get this right up front, that things were really bad in Ur of the Chaldees where he came from. Uh, that was the uh, Babylon. Um, it, it was where a man called Nimrod established a city and later on the inhabitants of that city built the tower up to God or, to, or not to God, up to the heavens because they had gone astray 
I mean, these guys were not so far from Adam and Noah. They knew of God from their ancestors, but they didn't care about him and they didn't worship him. Rather, they worshiped the sun and the moon and the stars and that's what they built that tower up to the heavens for so they could get closer to the objects of their worship instead of getting closer to the one who created those things. And Abraham was living in this environment and somehow through his ancestors, he had clung on to faith in the true God, the creator God, without any Bible, just with stories that were handed down uh, through the generations from his ancestors. So he was a man who looked to serve God without having a word of God, a Bible to reference himself. And so he just sought to know more about God. So I want to just start with two verses to kind of lay a foundation. These are not part of the reading about Abraham, but they're in the, the very same chapter. In Hebrews chapter 11, you probably know, is, is the chapter of the heroes of the faith. And Abraham is, is the one who occupies most of those verses. But two verses, verses one and six in chapter 11, teach us a little bit about what is faith. Now, faith is the substance or the reality of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And then without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I want us just to think about this a little bit. Faith is substance or reality. Now, it's hard to kind of come up with a modern equivalent of faith that's out there in the world because uh, in the world, especially in the Western world, we are so materialistic. If you can't see it, measure it, taste it, hear it, whatever, then it doesn't exist. And, and yet faith is something that exists outside of our senses. And so, and yet, the amazing thing is, is the writer of Hebrews says, faith is the substance, it's the reality. And in many ways, what he's saying is faith is more real than the real world to us who understand faith. People outside just don't get it because they can't measure it. They can't see it. They can't lay hold of it. So um, it's, it's not a wish list on your favorite website, okay? Uh, it, it's not something tangible that you can look up, you can Google and see, mm, you can get that for so many rand. It's, you can't do that with faith. But there are ways where we can get faith, and we'll get into that a little bit later. So it's a substance, it's real, but it's not seen, and yet it is the evidence. Now, normally evidence has to be presented to a court, doesn't it? It has to be tangible, measurable. Someone has to have seen it, recorded it, heard it, so that we can hear the evidence. But this, this evidence is seen with our inner eye, seen with the eyes of the Spirit. So uh, all of this is, is kind of hard for the world to get its head around. Now, I was talking about uh, Ur of, of the Chaldees and the mess that it was in at that time because they turned away from the true God. They were worshiping the sun, moon, and stars, and they were getting into all sorts of wicked things. And this grieved Abraham. And so when God called him to leave, he was glad to go. As I was pondering on these things, guess what happens? The Americans send a strike in and take out the number two Iranian in Iraq. And I thought, isn't this really interesting? Same part of the world. I mean, Iraq is where 
Tower of Babel was built. And in the prophecies concerning the second coming of Jesus, especially in Ezekiel, it talks about the nations that are going to come against Israel. And foremost amongst those, one of the, one of the top of the list is Iran or Persia. I believe Turkey is there, Russia is there. They are all mentioned in this list of nations that are going to come against Israel in that final battle before Jesus comes back. And so I was just thinking about this. What is this guy, this Iranian top general, doing in Iraq? And from the news reports, he's busy uh, orchestrating all sorts of um, military activity in Syria, in uh, Saudi Arabia, in Yemen, uh, in, in um, Iraq itself, and of course, throwing lots of missiles at Israel. And I just thought, wow, surely Jesus' is coming is sooner. Surely the stage is being set. And when, when Mike mentioned that, that piece from the New York Times about this last decade being a bit of a discouraging one, I thought, well, if you're discouraged by the last one's world, wait till you see this one, because it looks like things are warming up for the return of Jesus. And so we, we have two reactions. One is humanly, all the carnage and all the images you see on TV, horrible, all the death and destruction but the thought that we are getting ever closer to the return of Jesus Christ and the establishment of his kingdom, wonderful. And you see, that's what Abraham left for. He was looking for a better place, a better life, a place where God was king, a city whose foundations and maker are God. And so we look for the same thing. So I just want to encourage you, uh, not to watch too much TV this year especially the cricket, unless we start doing better. Um, <laughs> no, only joking about that one. But don't be overwhelmed by the news. Be lifted up by the Word of God in this year because that's where our hope is and that's where our faith comes. Faith comes by hearing. Okay, so we see that it's impossible to please God without faith and He rewards those who come and diligently seek Him. Okay, so we have to spend time listening. Um, every wife knows that because most of their husbands dial out very quickly when they start getting those long conversations and uh, a few people laughing. Um, uh, <laughs> and you've got to diligently listen if you want to hear the whole story. And we need to do the same with God only more. We need to seek to hear what he's saying. And he speaks to us through his word. He speaks to us by his spirit. And this man, Abraham, who had no written word to read and to go by. He listened in his spirit and he heard amazing things and he acted on those amazing things. And that's what we want to look at. So we need to believe that, uh, well, first we need to diligently seek him. Then we need to believe that he is. In other words, he exists. God is real and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. That's basically the foundation of Abram's faith. He believed that God existed. He saw all these, this cre these created wonders and he knew the stories that have been handed down through the generations and he chose to worship that God who created all of those things rather than to worship those things, which is what the rest of his community were doing. Okay, so uh, we, we, we go on now to Hebrews chapter 11 and we're gonna read verses eight to 12. This is our text for today. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went. Even though he did not know where he was going, by faith he made his home in the promised land 
And like a stranger in a foreign country, he lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was unable to bear children. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. Okay, so these are the verses we're going to be looking at today and we're going to be cross-referencing those with some of the passages in Genesis. The first thing we want to see here this morning is that faith follows God's leading even though we don't know where it will take us. Did you notice that? He said he went not knowing where he was going. Wow. You guys, you knew you were going to Malawi. You didn't know what you were going to find when you got there. But imagine going to the airport and just God says, get on that plane. You don't even know where it's going. Uh, that's what Abram did. He didn't know where God was leading him. He just said, lean on God. I'm, I believe you. And there was this dissatisfaction in his spirit with where he was and a longing to be in a place where God could be more in control, where the kingdom of God could be established. So a couple of interesting things is when he was called to go to a place, he went. In other words, he was diligently listening. He wanted to know, God, what, what can I do about this situation, about all these problems here? And God said, leave this place. Now, I hope you're not going to take that as the key message of today. I'm not trying to diminish this congregation. Um, I believe God has put us all here for a reason. We have come here, and, the, and the, uh, rather like Abram, when he arrived, we have to then find out what is the reason that we are here. But he was a man who was listening to hear what God was saying. And I think that requires focus. We have to be diligent in our listening. We have to be intelligent in our listening. And we have to be guided and accurate and careful. And I think we get to be experienced. How many of you, no, don't put your hands up. How many of you have felt God said something to you and it turned to be total rubbish? I've been there and done that. Um, so we gain experience in the quality of our listening as we see life unfolding. And hopefully with that experience, when the big ask comes, we're ready. And we say, yes, Lord, I, I believe this is you and I'm going to go. Just a little aside, the same part of the world, a man called Muhammad, uh, believed he was hearing from God and he knew something of Jewish folklore and uh, he knew a little bit about Christianity from some of the strange people that were living in the desert nearby. And he thought he was hearing voices and he was hearing the voice of God. At one very important stage in this process, he became convinced that he was being deceived by demons. And then the demons said, no nonsense, this is the real thing. And so he carried on following. And that's where Islam came from. So it's really important that we hear God. And we are so blessed because we've got Bibles, we've got Christian friends, we've got life group leaders, we've got uh, elders who can guide us and pray for us so that God's leading doesn't have to be a mystery and a real kind of Russian roulette. I believe we can hear and know the voice of God and have an assurance that we are going in the right place if we listen diligently and then obey when He speaks to us. And then, of course, go. 
So he didn't know how he was going, but he trusted that God had the destination in hand. Okay, so uh, we've been through a number of um, examples of this in our life, but, and I think I might have told you the story about when we went to Bible college. We were sitting in what was then Rhodesia, and I really wanted to go to Bible college. I was a new Christian, and we'd been accepted by Elam Bible College in the UK, where some very good friends of ours were already studying and highly recommended. So we were on our way. So we'd heard God, we were off. And then we got this letter saying, sorry, there is no married accommodation. We can't accommodate you this year. Try again next year. Well, I felt God was saying this year. And to cut a long story short, we went to a place we'd never heard of in America, Christ for the Nations. Um, God just miraculously came in and redirected us. But you see, we had to start moving uh, in, in a direction. And then He told us the way to go. We'll see this exactly the same thing happened with Abraham. Uh, partly it was the geography, but he, he starts off heading northwest and then ends up heading south. So um, we don't always go in the, in the direction that we're going to finally end up following. Uh, we're going to be looking in the course of our time together this morning at, at a modern example of faith. Man, you've probably all heard of Reinhard Bonker, uh, who died last month a man who's probably had more impact for the church in Africa than any other person. And uh, he said something, and, and I'm, I'm gonna tell a bit of his story, but he said something that I want us just to hear. He said, those who are eternally seeking the will of God are overrun by those who do the will of God. Did you get that? Those who are eternally seeking the will, will of God are overrun or overtaken by those who do the will of God. I remember going back to America a couple of years after Bible college and meeting up with some of the fellow students that I'd known there. And by this time, we were deep into ministry and getting involved in Zambia and trying to start a school. And these guys that we were with, they were all waiting to hear from the Lord. And I thought, you've been out of Bible college for two years. What are you waiting for? You went to Bible college because you felt God wanted you there to equip you for a purpose. Now, maybe he still had to do some work, but... Uh, I'm inclined to agree with Reinhard Bonker. Some of us can spend our whole lives waiting to hear from God, not realizing that we already have, and He's just waiting for us to obey the first instruction, which in this case was very simple. Leave this place. Pack up and go. It's easy, hey? <laughs> okay, so let's look to the record of Abraham's story. We're going to uh, read a little bit more now in Genesis. And I've described the situation in, in Ur of the Chaldees. We're reading from Genesis chapter 12. It was in chapter 11 that the Tower of Babel was built. So that gives us the context of what was going on. There was this big uh, new age, which is very old, movement in, uh, in Babylon, in Babel. They were building this tower to worship the sun, moon, and the stars. Genesis 12, verse 1, Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all families of the earth will be blessed. Wow. That is no small message to hear. 
that I'm going to not only take you to a new place, but I'm going to make a nation of you. You're going to be, your name is going to be great. I'm going to bless the people that bless you and curse the people that curse you. I know some of you don't worship a God that curses or judges or disciplines, but our God hates sin. And in the end, after millennia of offering us the option of grace, the end of time is going to come. And those who have not chosen Him will be judged. So uh, if, if you are not yet uh, a follower of the Lord Jesus, uh, I don't want to intimidate you into running after Him, but I just want to say that there, there is a moment, a long moment of opportunity. It's been going on for a couple of thousand years for us to deal with our sins. But that moment has an end point. And uh, what is amazing here is God says, I will bless the people in the land where you're going, who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. And I believe that has actually happened historically. Okay, so uh, we see that Abram, because he was seeking the true God, uh, he, he was not happy with what was going on there. And God calls him out and he says, I'm going to great, make a, a great nation of you, a people of faith. And there's a hint here eventually of a Messiah that's in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. That's actually referring to Jesus. In the descendants of Abraham is coming the Messiah. And all nations of the world, every family will be blessed because of the opportunity he gives us to be saved. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken, verse four, and Lot went with him. And Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Now, this was his second departure. He departed from Ur of the Chaldees and he took various relatives, including his father, with him. But his father was old and they got as far as Haran and they stopped. And there his father died. And interesting, he'd been told to leave his father's house. So they got stopped in Haran. And once his father died, God said, right now, carry on. So the journey continued. So this was the second departure. Uh, so... The lessons we're learning so far, faith 101, listen and obey. Okay, it's very simple. As long as you're hearing right and as long as we can obey. And the interesting things is it's usually not rocket science. It's usually so simple we don't even realize it's God. But it does sometimes get more challenging. We're told in the Bible that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we, as I said, we have the blessing of having the Bible. So as we read that, it builds our faith. I want to encourage you this year to be reading your Bibles in whatever form you'd, or way you do that because that's the way we build our faith and we're really going to need faith to get through this decade. Okay, um, Aaron was 75 years old when he left Haran. Uh, Viv and I were just discussing this new year and it suddenly dawned on us that this is a new decade and she said, wow, I wonder what God's got for us in, in this decade. I said, well, one of the things he's got for us, by the end of it, you and I are both going to be closer to 80 than 60. <laughs> so um, some of the things he's got for us are interesting. However, I'm encouraged by the fact that Abraham was 75 years old when he got up and moved from Haran and went into the promised land. And 25 years later, he had his first, illegit I mean, his first legitimate son. <laughs> Sorry, that was a mistake. Um, so yes, uh, I might yet be around in 30 years' time um, having children. Well, no, actually, I, 
<laughs> I'm afraid Sarah's, uh, yeah, she's passed. <laughs> yeah, I know we, <laughs> I won't make any more confessions. <laughs> right. Where were we? We were 75 and we were in Haran and we were on our way to the promised land. Okay, going back to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 9 and 10, our text. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. I'll ask you, what do you think Abraham was expecting to find when he left her of the Chaldees? What would you have been expecting if God had said to you, I want you to leave this place. I'm gonna take you to a, a better place. I'm gonna give you a land. I'm gonna make a great nation of you and you're gonna have an impact on the world. What kind of land do you think he was expecting? Because my imagination is, he was probably thinking of something like Canada with no one there, um, fertile country, lots of mineral wealth, place where he could start from scratch where there's no one to hassle him and he can build a nation for God. Instead, God takes him to the place where the Canaanites are living and we see that they don't welcome him. They're not pleased to have this stranger arriving and he's He's stuck in the land where he's, he's not welcome. He can't build anything because every time he tries to settle down, the locals kind of hound him out. It was just like Mike watching cricket in the wrong part of the grandstand. And so he kept on having to move to find a place where he could sit and watch. And this was Abram's story. And I think it must have surprised him. And I think we need to take note because whenever we undertake a faith mission, whether it's a small one or a big one, there are going to be times when God says, well, here you are, over to you now. And you look and think, what a mess. How can we work with this? Okay, there will be challenges. There will be stuff for us to do. I'm, I'm kind of, as I was preparing this, I was imagining all you young dads, especially the ones with your sons, and you've given them some model kit or a Lego or something to do. And they, dad, can you help me? And so, okay, so you leave the bry and you go and get stuck in. And the more you get stuck in, the more you're enjoying it. And in 10 hours, you've done the whole thing for your son. And he didn't do anything. He, God, Dad, let me, no, just now. And you finish the job. God is not like that. He gives us the Lego set and says, right, you've arrived. Hello. Okay, so um, I, I've seen this a number of times in my life where what I thought was going to be was not at all like I had imagined it. But it was God's place of opportunity and favor. And as I began to do my part, because there's our part in building that Lego set and there's his part, he gives us the place and the, all we need. And then he says, right, let's work together on it. Your turn. Okay, so if you've got some projects that you're waiting for him to start, maybe he's waiting for you to open the box and read the instructions and get going. Okay, so um, there will be times of discouragement and apparent delay in every faith project. And the bigger the project, the more we will find there is opposition. I wanna start now 
Oh, just a quote from Nicky Gumbel. Uh, he's reading a devotional that he's doing a year through the Bible. And he, and he talked in, in his devotional, I think it was yesterday or the day before, about the cycle of, the, of battle and blessing, battle and blessing. And that our Christian lives are like that, that actually we have times of problems, battles, struggling, and then times of blessing. And he said, actually, the, the more you go on in life and the more responsibilities and the bigger family you have, the more you can have the two running concurrently on different tracks. So you've got battle here and blessing there. And we have to walk this faith walk and deal with the battles and enjoy the blessings and keep building the kingdom as we go. So I want to I just tell you a little bit about Reinhard Bonke. I just felt it's appropriate. He died last month uh, at the age of 77 or 79, I think. I think it was 79, having achieved amazing things for God. But I want you to listen to his background as well as the amazing things he did. did. He was born in Eastern Prussia, which was then part of Germany in 1940. He was evacuated to Denmark aged five. So the year the war ended, and the reason for the evacuation is the Russian army was coming in to that part of Germany and eventually took it. And the town where he was born was German then, is Russian now. So can you imagine when you're five and you've got the Russian army coming at you and your mother's packing things and you're, I don't know, they were refugees. And they ended up in Denmark uh, in a shelter for refugees. He became a believer at the age of nine. And age 10, he felt God was calling him to Africa. Woo! And he obviously cherished that word that he heard in his spirit because it was many years later that he actually came here. But isn't that amazing? 10 years old, he heard the voice of God as a, as a one-year-old Christian. Um, he attended Bible College of Wales which was started by Rhys Howes. And some of you will have heard of Rhys Howes. He was famous for his intercession. Uh, he and his Bible college were the center of prayer for Britain throughout the Second World War. Um, and and they, they saw many things in the spirit before they actually happened in the war. And they were praying against the schemes of, of the enemy uh, because God was showing them stuff. So he went to a Bible college where they were real prayers they listened to the voice of God. They were guide, guided by prophetic um, instruction. And they spent a lot of time interceding for the nation in very, very difficult times. Now, I'm, I'm going to come back a little later to, to Reese Howell's story. But um, Reinhard Bonnke, by the time he, he arrived at the Bible College, Reese Howell's had already died and his son Samuel was running it. But he heard some of the stories and some of the stories concerned Africa, but a lot of them concerned miracles in answer to prayer. And he prayed a prayer while he was a student at Bible College. And he said, Lord, I also want to be a man of faith. Simple prayer. He heard stories about miracles uh, from the leader of the Bible College, and they were mostly miracles in Reese Howe's ministry. And he was encouraged by hearing these stories. And he said, yes, I also want to be a man of faith. I don't just want to listen to other people's miracles. I want to pray for and see miracles myself. I suspect most of us would like that. But not all of us are willing to do what Rana Bonke did. And it starts with listening to, to what God says you must do. And being faithful over time, and then you start seeing the miracles. Okay, so... Um, the interesting thing is, 
he eventually, uh, he, he pastored a, a church in, in Germany for a while. Um, and he felt God speaking to him again in, the, in his mid-20s about going back to Africa. So at the age 27, he came and went to Lesotho as a missionary and began preaching there. And apparently he preached his heart out every week, even though there was this tiny little church with hardly anyone in it. And he was feeling quite discouraged because he had this vision for Africa. And now he's stuck in this little area of Lesotho going around from village to village. And the congregation that was actually kind of his home base had less than 100 members and nothing much was happening. And after a little while there, he was preaching. And as he was preaching, someone jumped up and said, I've been healed. And someone else jumped up and said, so have I. And someone else jumped up. God sovereignly started healing people. And you see, all Rana Bonka was doing was going and doing what God told him to and seeing hardly any results. But he, he had prayed that prayer, Lord, I also want to be a man of faith. I believe that was an extremely significant prayer in his life. And it just started to happen. And he didn't turn back from that point. People in the area around heard about all these miracles of healing and the congregation just grew every week and the whole thing just took off and he realized that mass evangelism was, was God's calling on him. We'll come back to Reinhard Bonke just now um, because there were amazing things that happened there but it was the miracles because he wanted to be a man of faith that really kick-started his ministry. So the next point we want to look at is that faith makes the impossible possible. So that's what happened with Rainer Bonke. The impossible, he was, he was trying on his own. No church growth, nothing much happening. And God sent miracles of healing and things just took off. So in, the, in uh, Hebrews 11, 11 and 12, getting back to Abram and Sarah's story, by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. That is a serious miracle, isn't it? 100-year-old man, barren wife, and God says you are going to have multitudes of descendants. Come and have a look at how much sand there is on the seashore, how many stars there are in the, are in the sky. If you can count them, that's how many descendants you're going to have. Wow. So amazing uh, promise to, to Abram and to Sarah. Going back to the Genesis account in chapter 15, verse 2 and 4 and 5, Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing as I remain childless? And God said, one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, look now towards the heavens and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. Amen. Wonderful um, promise to this old man. You're going to have lots and lots of descendants. Isn't that wonderful? We all know that Abraham had one serious lapse. He had, he had a couple of um, places where he dropped the ball. But the big one, the real big one, was when Sarah said to him prior to this, take Hagar and my handmaid, the Egyptian girl, and have children through her that we can adopt them. And that way, God can fulfill his promise. This is where uh, Sarah and Abram took the Lego set out of God's hands and tried to do their thing. See, there's our part and there's God's part. God had promised descendants and they thought they could help God out. 
So we do need to be careful about that, coming up with our own solutions to speed up God's very slow progress in getting this faith venture underway. What is interesting is he really didn't get heavily reprimanded by God. If you think about it, uh, God just said, no, so this one's not gonna be your heir. This son you, you guys have concocted, you're gonna have your own son. Sarah's gonna have it. And there was still no sign of this happening. But in, instead of reprimanding him and throwing him away, he just carries on with the program. Now, of course, you must understand he didn't have the Ten Commandments. He didn't have the Word of God. So he was kind of just going by what the culture did. Um, so I think God overlooked a whole lot of things in those days that may be not acceptable in our circumstances. But nonetheless, what we see is God's grace for every one of us. If, when, as we surely will, we drop the ball in reaching the faith goals that God has got for our lives and we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us, put us back on our feet and get us going again. So I just want to encourage you, if you feel you have been sidelined because of things you've done, just look at what Abram did and God still continued to use him. Okay, so... The good news, of course, is that when Jesus comes, comes back, He's going to establish a kingdom where none of these bad things are going to be going on and we are going to see uh, amazing things happening at that time in history. Okay, so Abraham's question is in, in Genesis 15, verse 6 to 8. Uh, he believed in the Lord and the Lord counted it to him for righteousness. That's an accounting term, a bookkeeping term. Because of Abram's faith, because he obeyed God, God says, I'm going to credit your spiritual account with righteousness. From now on, I see you as right because of your faith. Then he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldees to give you this land to inherit it. And he said, Lord God, how shall I know that I will inherit it? So he still hasn't had the son. He's still doesn't see how there's going to be an inheritance because if you've got inheritance, you've got to pass it on to someone and there's no son here. And so he says, how, how is this going to happen, God? And what God did was he said, go and get some animals. And he gave him a list of the animals he wanted him to get, kill them, sacrifice them, cut them in half and offer them as a sacrifice up to me. I see a few of you are squirming at this uh, Old Testament story. Um, these stories are in the Old Testament for a reason. And we do, we flinch at hearing these kind of stories. But what do we learn from this kind of sacrifice? We learn that the penalty of sin is death. And death has got the whole world in its grasp because of sin. And the only way out is through the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ. So all of these animal sacrifices that happened in the Old Testament were there to confront Israel with the awful price there is for sin. Because if you own animals, that's your wealth. If you're a, a farmer and now every time you sin, you've got to sacrifice one. You lose one of your animals. There's a, a practical price as well as the squeamish price where you have to put your hand on the head of that animal and confess your sins. That's what they did before the animal was slaughtered. Please come back next week. It's going to be different. <laughs> So if, I, if I'm offending you, don't worry, next week uh, we'll have a real nice preacher who won't tell us all these horrible stories and you'll feel a lot more comfortable. 
But you see, God wanted us to be uncomfortable with sin. And in fact, this shedding of blood in covenant was common in the culture of the day. If you wanted to really underline your promise, so you made a contract with someone, but if they said, mm, how can I know I can trust you? I'll make a covenant with you, a blood covenant. And they would shed blood. Many times their own blood, they would cut their wrists and they would uh, mingle their blood and say, right, we are now blood brothers and my promise to you is as strong as my uh, promise to my own uh, flesh and blood. So God said, now you go and pre prepare this sacrifice and Abram prepared it and then God appeared as a burning light passing through, which is what they did. They would pass between these, these uh, severed bodies and that was the way they would seal the covenant. So God made a covenant with Abraham. Um, and he didn't ask anything. He just said, I'm going to do it. Because of your faith, I promise you, and I will make a covenant with you. So this was a faith covenant. And he said, that, that is now proof. You don't need more because you've, I'm in covenant with you. And all Abraham had to do was to put the animals in order and keep the vultures away. And then God came and passed through. So at 100 years of age, Isaac was born. 25 years after leaving Haran, God finally sends this promised son. Now these, these two, God and Abram, are in covenant. And you are probably familiar with the story that a little while later, Isaac's now growing to a young, young man. And God, God says to Abram, now I want you to take your son, your only son Isaac, and sacrifice him to me. Now, this is a whole brand new level. It's one thing to leave Ur of the Chaldees. It's altogether another thing to take your son and sacrifice him. And I don't know what you would do. I think I would, I would fail this test horribly. But Abram knew the voice of God and he knew this is the promised son. This is the heir. And he believed God was able to raise him from the dead. Even if I sacrifice him, that's not the end of the story. So he got to a place where he so trusted God, he was willing to do this. And if you remember the story, he went up the mountain and, and God provided a ram in the thick, thicket that was sacrificed instead. And Isaac got off free. He, his life was spared. And again, you might think this is yet another gruesome story. Another animal dies. But the picture here is that Abraham was willing to sacrifice his son but God intervened to save him. God, a few thousand years later, was willing to sacrifice his son for our sins and nobody intervened. He went all the way and died for our sins. Can you see the amazing pictures of the gospel in Abram's life story? These are gruesome pictures, but sin is a gruesome business and we were all dead in our sins and trespasses until Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for our sins. Okay, so um, we, we move on to all the positive stuff now. The amazing thing about faith is faith is infectious and it multiplies. If you've ever been around someone who's just got a lot of faith, it, it's really encouraging to, to listen to those kind of people talking about the things God has done and the things they believe God's going to do. Uh, I, I spent some time researching Rana Bonka and ended up reading about a whole lot of revivals. And as I did, wow, wasn't that amazing? And as I read other people's stories in different parts of the world, different times in history, faith was building in me. 
So that's what happens when we focus on and listen to the things that God has done. So the wonderful thing about faith is it, it infects other people. So instead of being filled to get fat, we're filled with faith to fill other people. And the idea is we pass it on as we talk about it, as we pray for people with a history of the things that God has done before. You want me to pray for your flu? God healed someone of flu last week. Let's pray. Whatever it is, God is able to do amazing things. So I want to go back to, to Reinhard Bonke because um, not only does um, our faith, is, is not only transferable, and, but it also multiplies. And um, Abram was told that he was going to become a nation. So he was going to multiply, and the covenant that was made was a covenant of faith. So it was a faith nation from the outset. Of course, we know that Israel has had some ups and downs, but there have been some amazing miracles that have happened in, in that nation's history. I want to go back, though, to Rana Bonka and just talk a little bit about his, his story because I think it's kind of, we can reach out and touch that because it's affected our continent in our lifetime. So I told you his, the Bible college he went to was founded by Reese Howes. Now, Reese Howes, in his, in his younger days, came out to Africa as a missionary. And I knew that, but I never knew Rana Bonke went to that Bible college. And he went to a place called Rusitu, which was then in uh, the east of southern Rhodesia, just south of Matari, Chipinge, uh, now Zimbabwe. And he was involved in the early days of Rusitu Mission. And when he came, he came from Wales, where the Welsh Revival had happened 10 years earlier. And he'd been in, in Wales when the Welsh Revival happened. So Rhys Howes was a man who had just been, he'd observed, he'd witnessed revival happening in his own country. He'd seen thousands of people getting saved. He'd seen miracles happening. He came to Rusitu with all of this uh, spiritual experience and revival happened in Rusitu. And when people from, from the mission organization heard about it, they sent him around to all the other countries, to every mission station they had, and said, go and tell the story there. Everywhere he went and preached, revival broke out. And then about 10 years later, he went back to the Bible college and was teaching there. And the stories were repeated from generation to generation and every generation of students heard about the revival. Reinhard Bonke comes along after this man is dead. But the faith of Rhys Howell infected Reinhard Bonke because he heard stories about Africa and he knew he was called to Africa from the age of 10 and he got inspired by the stories of the miracles. And so when he came to Africa, he had prayed that prayer, Lord, I want to be a man of faith as well. And he was. And things began to happen. He, ha he had Reese Howe's faith and love for Africa. He, he, he was infected with it. And we can infect people with faith. Isn't that wonderful? According to uh, Christ for All Nations Records, which is Rana Bonke's organization, he preached to 77 million people. Now, I think that's probably fairly... You know, when you're estimating a crowd in a cricket stadium, or whatever, you know how many people can fit in. But it's in the right ballpark. 77 million people heard the gospel through this man. Um, sorry, no, more than that. 77 million documented decisions to accept Christ. Unbelievable. Now, I know there are skeptics who will say, ah, most of those people were Christian already. They were just backslidden or they just love to go to, to a, a crusade. And if that's true, 
I'm sure there were lots of people there. This wasn't the first time they accepted the gospel. But they were fired up by this man's faith and by the miracles, and many of them did get saved. So uh, however you do the arithmetic, it is mind-boggling. I was reading, because uh, he just had his memorial service in, in, in America, and amongst the tributes that came to him was one from, where was he? One of the top Muslim leaders in, in the world, uh, political leader. I was in Nigeria. The president of Nigeria, who's a Muslim, and there's been a lot of Muslim-Christian antagonism in, in Nigeria, but he knew Rana Bonka personally, and he sent condolences and a tribute, and he said, this man has made a huge positive impact on Africa. What? From a Muslim president? Wow. So just an uh, amazing man who did amazing things. He had a burning passion for the gospel, a vision for Africa, and a message for the world. The one problem with telling you this story is, I don't suppose any of you will actually step into his shoes. Maybe, Mike? Got a vision for Africa? <laughs> but God needs, God needs people to step into the shoes of those who have gone before. Reese Howell went, and God called Rainer Bonke out of Germany. And I think it's fascinating. Reese Howell's praying against the Germans during the Second World War. Uh, maybe he was praying for salvation, I hope so. But amongst the Germans is this little boy who eventually comes to his Bible college and comes to Africa. But I want to make this, this impartation of faith just a little bit more tangible and maybe a bit more reachable for you. Because when I heard and remembered that Reese Howells was involved at Receipt Mission, I thought it was Receipt Mission. That's where Dillis Green grew up. Now, she's a great friend of ours. And she and her husband, Mike, came to teach at the school we started in Zimbabwe. And they are now missionaries. They started a brand new school uh, in, in Rapale, in Mozambique. And I just thought, wow, she grew up five kilometers from the Mozambique border in a, in a mission station where Reese Howell had come and through his stories of the Welsh revival had triggered a revival. I sent her and her husband a WhatsApp message and I said, this is what's happening right now. I'm just thinking about you. And I'm thinking about the impartation from Reese Howell to Rainer Bonke, but also from Reese Howell to Mr. and Mrs. Smith, your parents, because you guys have been sent to Mozambique under that same anointing. Hallelujah. So I want to, I want to kind of end there um, because I would like to pray for an impartation of such a faith anointing on us today. And I've already expressed doubt, which I shouldn't be doing in a faith message, that any of you will, will reach the levels that Reinhard Bonke has reached. Uh, the reason for that is my logic, which says it's highly unlikely to happen. But I, if I'm wrong, I am going to so rejoice the day you come and say, remember that sermon you preached, Pete? I'm really too famous to come and visit you now, but I'm coming just to remind you what you said that day. <laughs> okay. The points we've been looking at is that faith follows God's leading even though we don't know where it will take us. And I hope you're excited by that, that you've got a journey and you have no idea what the destination is, but God knows. Faith follows good news, sorry, faith follows God, not the news. And I didn't really focus on that, but the bad news. When he came to Canaan, it was bad news. 
And the news he saw, news he got was the news that came through his eyes. The Canaanites were in the land and they were just as bad as the people back there in Ur of the Chaldees. And yet God said, this is the land I'm giving to you. And he chose to listen to God rather than the news that came through his eyes. Faith in God makes the impossible possible. In their case, it was a miracle child. Um, in Rana Bonka's case, it was miracles of healing that were repeated all over Africa, including resurrection from the dead, many cases. And then finally, faith is infectious and multiplies. So in 2020, let us be filled with faith so that we may share that faith with others. So out of our fullness will come fullness to others. I'm gonna hand over to Mike just now, but I just wanna pray for us first for an impartation of the faith of Abraham, the faith of Rainer Bonke, the faith of Reese Howell. These are people who have impacted Africa and we could name many, many more. But will you stand with me as I just ask God to do something special here today and to touch us at the beginning of this new year, new decade, that we may receive an impartation of this kind of miracle working faith. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, I'm just so encouraged by the story of Abraham. But Lord, I'm also encouraged by the story of Rainer Bonnke and the story of Mr. and Mrs. Smith and Mike and Dillis Green, people just like us running a Christian school in Mozambique, sharing the gospel with people who've never heard it. And Lord, we can identify with people like that, ordinary people. But Lord, we remind ourselves when Rainer Bonke went to Bible college, he was just an ordinary person like us. But he listened to the voice of God and he obeyed. Father, I want to pray first of all for spiritual ears for each and every one of us. That this 2020, we may listen to the voice of God. And Lord, maybe some of us, maybe you spoke 20 years ago and we haven't yet acted on it. I pray, Lord, today you will stir up our memories of that instruction from you from way back. And Lord, we will obey and go and do it. Because Lord, we can't get to the second step until we've taken the first step. So Father, I pray for a, a God-given vision for each one of us, whether it be big or small, that will start us on a journey that may be long or short, and that may have huge impact on the whole continent or may have a small imp impact in our life group. Lord, whatever it is you've got for us, it's important to you and it's important to us. And so Lord, I just pray for an impartation of faith that as we've heard the story of Abraham, the story of Reese Howell and Samuel, his son, and the story of Rainer Bonka and the Smiths and the Greens, Lord, May we be like them. May we be men and women of faith who will be obedient and go and do what you're calling us to do in this year and this decade. I'm asking this in Jesus' name, believing that you're going to do amazing things in our midst. Amen.